I have some good news and some bad news, and I'm going to start with the bad news first. The bad news is, the way we have always operated, especially in this country, is not the best way to operate. I'll explain. We have a tendency to believe that those who are in authority and those who are in power are the ones who have it all together, or the ones at least who have won. You climb the corporate ladder. Uh, you are the most popular. Even our schools will, will make our yearbook. And it's like, oh, Mr. and Mrs. Scrapper, or Mr. and Mrs. Uh, Leopard, which is, you know, a worthless award to win. But there is, there's all these, all, all these accolades and most likely to succeed. Well, what do you mean by succeed? What is success? A, a large income? What is success? A job you love? What is success? See, the way we've always uh, defined success was that it was this, it was getting what everyone else wanted. Achieving what everyone else around us wanted. If you lived in a tribe in the middle of Africa, and everyone else wanted a pig, success is a pig. Actually, pigs aren't that valuable. Goat, a goat would be extremely valuable. A cow would be even more. If you had a cow, you would be a success. Because if you have what everyone else wants, then you are successful. Now the problem is, is that we have often thought, at least, that we want power. If you could at least put me in charge. Now, I say put in charge. A lot of people want power, but they don't want the responsibility that comes with such power. It, uh, the, the cheap and dirty trick of most ministers is uh, if someone comes to you complaining about something, you put them in charge of that something. They will never complain again. And they actually probably won't even take charge of it. Like, no, 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 that's fine, it's fine. Well, but you seem to have all the best ideas. No, I don't need it. Okay, well, then stop complaining. You lazy good-for-nothing. I don't actually voice that last part, except I just did. And that's embarrassing. Uh, so we, we want control. We want to have our opinions heard, and we want people to listen to us. Churches split. Churches split. Sometimes, like, new buildings are bought, new deeds are written, new elders are selected because they can't agree over carpet colors. They can't agree over whether to put chairs or pews or which songbooks to use or what version of the Bible to use. They can't agree over something, so they split. And at the heart of the split is, I didn't get my way. I'm not seen as, my way is not seen as important. At the heart of all this is a power struggle. Who's in charge? Who's in control? And when churches 
spend the majority, majority of their time trying to figure out who's in charge, churches die when that happens. Now, the problem about this is that this is so ingrained into our culture that, the, that we believe the most effective way to turn the country around and say, oh, well, the country needs to be more Christian. We believe that the most effective way to do that is to elect leaders who are Christian. Now, I don't know about you, but we've been electing people who claim to be, their, to be Christian for a long time. And it doesn't seem to be doing any good. Maybe the belief that electing new, putting new people in power that, are, that have a, a better Christian understanding or a, live a Christian life. Let's just put new Christians in, let's give them new power. Maybe that's wrong, not because Christians in government isn't good, but maybe that's wrong because we give too much power to power. We believe that having authority and power is the answer. Jesus' disciples believed the same thing. Uh, if, you would, if you were to corner Peter, which would be hard, he didn't like to be cornered. But if you were to corner Peter in the first century and said to Peter, Hey Peter, what do you think? the Messiah is going to do. He would not have told you, he most certainly would not have told you, oh, I believe the Messiah is going to die on a cross for our sins, and he's going to save us, and then he's going to be resurrected, and then he's going to give us the Holy Spirit, and then he's going to unify all the people, and we'll call that unification church. He wouldn't have told you anything like that. What he would have said, and what every one of the disciples would have said, is the Messiah's job is to get Israel's land back from the Romans. Now that may be new information to you. So I'm going to give you a second to process it. They thought the Messiah was going to come in power and authority and he was going to be the new king like David was a king and the land was going to be theirs again. They didn't want to take over the world. They just wanted the Romans out of their world. That's why Peter had a sword. Why do fishermen carry swords? Because they think a revolution's coming. That's why when they came, come to arrest Jesus, Peter chops off the ear of Malchus, the servant of the high priest. Now, we've gone over this before, but remember, he wasn't aiming for the ear. That would have been ridiculous. He was aiming for the head. And we, as we've stated before... Would have been a much cooler miracle if he would have landed that throw. I mean, the ear is impressive, I'm saying, but you know, head back on. That would have been great. So, G so Peter comes out swinging with the sword when they come to arrest Jesus because he believes, and all of the disciples believe, that what Jesus was there for was to establish a new kingdom in which Jesus would be the king. Jesus would be the new authority. Jesus would be the new power. 
And then the power would work just like all other power structures they knew. This is why at the end of Mark chapter 10, James and John, the son of Zebedee, come to Jesus and say, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Jesus answered, "Uh, What do you want me to do for you? They said, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. Now, I want you to understand, when they say this, they're not thinking, you know, Jesus, when you die on the cross and then you're you're resurrected in the the afterlife or whenever your kingdom comes finally, we want to sit on the, you're going to be sitting on the throne in heaven and I'm going to be sitting to your left and I'm going to be, and one of us is going to be sitting to your right. That's not what they mean. What they mean is, when this whole thing goes down, When the war gets started and you're the king, we want to sit on your left and on your right. We want positions of authority. Now, this isn't as embarrassing as in one of the other Gospels where it has uh, their mother asking for them. That's really embarrassing. Um, But here, Jesus says, "You, you don't know... What you are asking. Can you drink the cup I drink? Can you be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? Um, The better way to say that is, can you be immersed into the life that I'm going to be immersed into? Can can, Can you go through what I go through? You don't know what you're asking. Jesus, can we have power and authority like you? And he says, you don't know what you're asking. As he would later tell Pilate, his kingdom does not work like other kingdoms. My kingdom is not of this world. Um, He says, if it were, my disciples would have fought. But it's not. See, the power that Jesus offers is not a power that puts us in places where we can do great things in the world. The power that Jesus offers is harder, but better. And and the bad news is, our instincts about power do not serve us well. What we know to be as, what we know of as power, when we say, oh, you have power... It's, sort of, it's the, not the sort of power God offers, but it's the sort of power that the Romans thought of. They gave this God a name. His name was Mars, the God of power. Jesus says, you don't know what you ask when you want power. We can, they answer, we can be baptized with the baptism you're going to be baptized with, or however hard that is to say. Jesus said, okay, well, you will drink the cup I drink, and you will be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. Now, look what happens. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Obviously, Jesus called them together and said, listen, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles Lord it over them and their high officials. Exercise authority over them. Not so with you. This is not how it's going to work with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave 
of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. See, the way the story of Jesus ends, the way the story of the Messiah works, is not one where He overcomes the authority, but He subverts it. Jesus... Jesus' message to the Roman government and to the world is do your worst. Do the worst you can to me. Torture me. Crucify me. Which in, in and of itself is torture. Bury me and roll a gigantic stone in front of the tomb. Do your Worst. Take all the power that you think is important. Take all of the might that you think you have and come down on me and see what happens. The stone will roll away and I will walk out of the tomb. See, Jesus tells his disciples there is a falseness or a um, brokenness to your view of what power truly is. How many of you in your marriage, if you're married, have a hard time not getting your way? <laughs> we have one person raise their hand. The rest of you are liars. <laughs> There's... It's, sometimes it's really hard not getting your way. I want my way. Why do you want your way? Well, because my way is the best. Why is your way the best? It's because you believe deep down that if you get your way, then you're in control. See, a lot of us aren't just selfish. We, we have control issues. We want to be in control. We want to have authority. We want to have power. And that's just not the way Jesus calls us to live. Jesus, if we follow his example, actually gives up power because he believes his God is more powerful than anybody else around. And he says things like the last will be first and the first will be last. He says in John, the blind will see and those who think they can see will really be blind. Those who are hungering and thirsting for righteousness will be filled. See, for Jesus, it wasn't about... Jesus never said, you know, if we could just get a Jewish or God-fearing Roman emperor in place, man, then we would really be going good. We'd be running all, on all cylinders then. And all his disciples would say, what's a cylinder? But his, his goal was not, let's, you know what we need is we need a real good earthly king. Because even real good earthly kings, even when they're going in to the kingship and have good intentions, always turn bad. Because power, earthly power, always corrupts. When you get your way enough, 
it will eventually destroy you. There's a young man, and I'm not going to name his name because I'm not into doing that to him. But there is a young man who's from Canada who uh, put uh, several years ago put his um, put himself singing on YouTube. Uh, for those, those of you who are older, YouTube's on the interwebs. And there is, and, and it got, I mean, just off the charts because this kid had a fantastic voice. He could play the piano. He had written some original songs. And people were like, thought, wow, this kid has talent. And so record companies went in and just threw money at this kid. And they said this, I, I guess at the time he was probably 14, 15, threw money at this kid. And said, you got to come work, sign with us, sign with us. And he comes, now he has more money than you can possibly imagine. Drives cars that they only made three or four of. And now at 17, he has completely lost his mind. He is... Drag racing down down residential highways. He's getting caught um, for public indecency. It's just a nightmare. His life is a tornado of bad decisions. Now, if at 13 he hadn't put anything on YouTube and had just grown up as a kid who loved music, and people hadn't thrown money his way and given him power and authority. Now, whenever you whenever you are this successful or this rich, you are you're surrounded by people who say yes to your every whim. I want an elephant on stage with me while I'm singing. Oh yes, of course we can find an elephant. Do you think this would be a do you think it would be a really good idea for me to cut my hair this ridiculous way? Yes, of course, yes. Just yes men. Oh yes, that hat looks fantastic with those pearls. When you have people giving you earthly power, eventually it corrupts you. You start to believe your own nonsense. Earthly power cannot be Christianized Completely, because the Christian worldview subverts itself to power. We give up, the first will be last, and the last will be first. We give up our power. When Jesus says, if someone slaps you across the face, give to them the other cheek, he means every single syllable of that command. It's not some like, thing where he says, well, you know, you know what I mean. I mean, punch him back, but seriously, like, sort of be kind about it. Turn to them the other cheek. What he's saying is when the world comes at you in power, your job is not to retaliate with power, but to retaliate with submission. Give it up. I don't have to have your power because do your worst to me and Jesus, who subverted himself to the authority, 
rose from the grave. And because Jesus rose from the grave, death will not be the end of me. And that is the good news. The good news is, is that the authority that Jesus gives, the power that Jesus gives, no one can take away from you. No one can kill you so good that you don't get up. See, when we subvert, sometimes our, the, the thing we're nervous about is, oh, but what if I'm taking advantage of? You probably will be, right? Every time you're vulnerable, people take advantage of you. Oh, but what if they, what if they think ill of me? They probably will. Once I had a guy tell me, you know, if we could just do the miracles that Jesus did, man, can you imagine the people that would come and we would convert? You realize where that landed Jesus, right? It didn't get him, I mean, the Son of God didn't get him very far. I'm not sure you're going to do that well with it. But it's much easier to imagine that it would be fantastic if we could walk on water than it is to just give up yourself. We are going to do the miracle that Jesus did, but we're going to have to die first. We will have the power that Jesus has, but we're going to have to give it up first. This worshiping of power that we often get ourselves into It can really get us in trouble. Especially when power is defined by earthly terms. Getting my way, becoming successful, getting more money, having a position in which I am powerful. That'll get us in trouble. It is the Christian's call to be like Jesus, to give up that, that authority. We don't, I don't need to win. We don't need to win. We don't need to get our way. We have resurrection. We have victory. See, the bad news is, is that the way we think of power and the, our, our constant searching for power is eventually going to ruin us if we head down that way. But the good news is, is the way we seek, if we seek power like Jesus sought power, there's no death that can hold us. Death has no victory. It has no sting. Jesus fought that battle for us. Last weekend... I was not here, but it's one of my favorite weekends to preach. It's Martin Luther King Jr. weekend. One of my favorite speeches from Martin Luther King is uh, one of the speeches right before he was assassinated. He, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. stood in a, a church building and said... The government, the tech context, the government had written some injunctions about what they could or couldn't do. And, and he says, if there's no fire hose, if 
no fire hoses can stop us and no dogs can stop us, then no injunctions can turn us around. Then, oddly, a bit prophetically, he says, I'm probably not going to get there with you. I won't get there with you. He says, I feel like my time on earth is limited. He says to the people in the crowd that day, but you shouldn't worry. Because although I may not get there with you, I've been to the mountaintop and I've seen the promised land. What he's saying in that speech is not that you have... um, that they fought back against the dogs and won, or that they fought back against the fire hoses and won. What he's saying in that speech is we took the best shot they had and they will not turn us around. Martin Luther King Jr. read a lot of, um, about Gandhi. Um, and you can trace it. Actually, you can trace it back um, because Gandhi learned his peace methods from others, and you can trace it all the way back to Jesus. Of course, Martin Luther King Jr. himself was influenced greatly by Jesus. So you would think that you would have to fight real hard to to win the battles that Martin Luther King Jr. won, but. You don't. You actually just keep giving up and trust in God. See, the way we would think is, oh, you got to fight back. You got to get the last word in. You got to say the right thing. But what really gets things done is when you offer peace. And your message to the world is do your worst. Do your worst. And our God can conquer that too. When we want our way, it's a lack of faith, I believe. It's a lack of faith that God's going to eventually do what he said he's going to do. But when we give up and say, you know what, I don't have to have my way. Which is hard. I think we can all admit that's hard. We're actually following in the steps of Jesus. Subverting instead of retaliating. Offering peace instead of conflict. I think this week we, it would be helpful if we tried to rethink our... What, what, what ways are we trying to gain power in our, in our day-to-day? And why is, why is that not healthy? And how could we, like Jesus, give up a chase for power and give into a chase for God? If you want to give up today, if you want to give up your old life of sin, of, of selfishness, of, of seeking what the world seeks then the best thing to do is just to come forward and sit and say, I, I need Jesus. 
We'll talk through how that works. You'll be united with him in his death, burial, and resurrection and baptism. And I believe that that gives you a spot in the resurrection when Jesus resurrects all. But I believe there's no better step than to say, today I'm giving up myself. And I'm giving it over to Jesus. You may be scared to do that. Some things are worth the fear. Give up control and give in to God. Give up control and follow Jesus. Give up your power and submit to the one who is calling you to everlasting life. If you want that this morning, please come forward while we stand and sing. It is for you and-